Einstein and Sock Monkey, Episode 11, I Love Kale, recorded on May 31st, Einstein and Sock Monkey, the podcast for web geeks and website owners. I'm Ron Zazadinsky. And I'm Steve Martin. And we have with us a special guest, Sarah Jane Grassimer. Grassimer. Yay. Yay. Enough vowels to fill your belly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have nice. enough consonants, so, you know, <laughs> alphabet soup over here. No doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm boring. Martin. <laughs> <laughs> but Steve Martin, you know. Well, it's yeah, you got that. Mildly interesting. Thanks. I'm glad I'm mildly interesting <laughs> you guys. <laughs> That's my goal today, mm. to be mildly interesting to someone. Well, you've already succeeded. And moderately entertaining. <laughs> exactly. As long as you don't ask me to tell a joke. <laughs> how many people are like, Steve Martin, how can you tell me a joke? I'm uh, like, do you want to hear my Twitter joke? <laughs> sure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's this good. Is, it's good. It's good. So I went to my uh, I went to my doctor, and I told him, you know, doctor, I have this problem. I can't stop tweeting. And he looks at me and he says, "I don't follow you." <laughs> well, that's really bad. <laughs> you know, I, I told it. my mom, and she didn't get it. It was really disappointing. Uh, did you expect her to get it? <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> That's a generational thing. Well, uh, Ron, you going to want to introduce Sarah Jane yes, a little bit? Yes. So I've known Sarah Jane for a couple of years. Um, we met mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when she was working for Joel Com from Infomedia and connected me with Joel or Joel with me, whatever, me with Joel, um, just saying that we ought to connect. And then he eventually became a sponsor of Ignite Fort Collins, which was wonderful. And uh, since then, just Sarah has gone on to other things. Yeah. So tell us what else you do nowadays. Well, I, I got roped into being an Ignite volunteer. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we had to twist your arm really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just jumped on board. <laughs> and um, have since then, I got real interested in social media and community management and uh, left my post at InfoMedia and now am very happy to work at Social Media Pilots. Yes, uh, Sarah Jean is one of our pilots, one of our employees at Social Media Pilots. Cool. I also, social media uh, company. Love Kale. I'm a Kale ambassador. I she, love Kale, I want to tell you. That's good because <laughs> she has a website. And guess what the URL is? It's uh, ilovekale.com. Nice. <laughs> I would love it. Love and the URL. I, I, I'll be honest, but I said this before, I'll say it again. I am trying to love Kale. Well, I have not yet reached the point, but I'll, I'm getting there. You know, I've never said that loving kale is easy. It's, <laughs> it's just worth it. <laughs> the things you have to work hardest for are the things you love most. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, that's, yeah. But I, I like to think that I'm helping people to develop a relationship with kale and other assorted. Why would one want to develop a relationship with because kale? Because it is so good for you. 
It's oh, incredibly yeah? good, healthy food for you. And I, I, I could go on for 20 minutes about kale. And you, don't, <laughs> you don't really want me to, but, but, but the basic premise is this, is that most people don't eat it, right? Right. Like it's not a natural it's part a of common, the American diet, right. right? Well, what is the American diet doing to us as, as Americans? It's terrible. Bad things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So kale is this incredibly healthy food. Right. And if people are willing to kind of expand their, their interests try something new in the interest of eating healthier, doing mm-hmm. things a little bit differently. Maybe they won't end up dead at 45. <laughs> I'm saving That's people, Steve. I, I, <laughs> we love you for it. One <laughs> leafy green at a time. <laughs> I love it. Well, if that's all I need to do, I will start eating kale forthwith. Good. Good, Good word. word. Forthwith. I think so. Yeah. I think I've heard it like in a sci, like a fantasy novel. That sounds like old English. It's a yeah. chivalrous kind of word. <laughs> oh, awesome. That could work. Well, we'll be hearing more from Sarah Jane a little bit later during our feature section. We'll be getting info from her and her life and her past and everything. So, But we wanted you to know who she is. So she's yeah. commenting on things as we go here. You know who the mystery woman is. Yeah, we didn't just pull her off the street. That's actually a good idea, though. Maybe we should do that sometime. We could try that. Like, hey, you <laughs> want to talk guests? about web stuff? You want to talk about usability? User experience design? I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. It you never know. Amazing. We do have kind of a major nexus around here, by the way, of web stuff. So It's, it's pretty bad and poor. Well, good. Well, and, and <laughs> growing. So we just learned um, my friends at Wirestone. I don't know if you know Wirestone. Yeah. But they're uh-huh. a very big web development shop. They work with Fortune 500 and above only. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's in Fortune 100. I forget exactly. But... I've got some friends that work there and, and um, love those guys. Anyway, they're they're moving in next door. They uh, are taking over really? the OtterBox building, and they're actually all in there right now, crammed into half of it. And then when OtterBox leaves later this summer for their new building, they will they will expand and breathe again and stop having I, to take I, showers I, twice a day or something. Yeah, I drive by their old place all the time, and I notice that somebody else is moving in there finally. Yeah, so yeah. Wirestone's here, and then our friends Variant Studios from Greeley moved in above Old Chicago, just around the corner. They did. About two months ago, yep. Huh. And then our friends Rocket Jones have been across Old Town Square for yeah. a while now, of course, many years. Uh, but we're really getting to be this hub of web development awesomeness. Well, and if you don't have your office in Old Town Fort Collins, you don't exist. Exactly. It I was mean, the might as well just give up now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I personally think it's the taco truck that put it over. Taco Where truck. is that parked? I looked for it today and could not find it. <laughs> so they, it's not there every day. You're not what? buying enough tacos that they have been able to quit their job yet. <sighs> Thursday through Sunday. Oh. They're there at a shift at lunch and then a shift late night. Oh. Which talk? Well, where do they put themselves? You haven't been there? No. Oh. <laughs> they used to be at Oaken College. Is that where they yeah, still park? Yeah, at okay. Oaken College. Okay. Uh, tacos on the street. Oh, the, the, yes. The Last totally year they were here. Amazing. I've seen it. I've not been there, but. It's do awesome. you know what they sell there? Tacos? And just tacos. Really? I think you can get a tostada, maybe, yeah. but I don't know why you would, would want do that. to. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome, though. So fresh. It's really, really amazing. Cool. It's not like Roach Coach thing. Oh, no. no. Okay. Hella good. <laughs> Hella good. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was, I was at the at, uh, IA Summit and that uh, mobile workshop thing, and Josh Clark's like, so can you, anybody tell me what your favorite uh, iPhone or Android app is, and this guy's like, ooh, ooh, it's the one that tells me where the taco truck's going to be. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> 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 oh, 
all it does, uh, wherever he lives, I don't know. All it does, does he is, live in New York? Because there is one for New York called Edible yeah, I don't, it's, City. It's just, it's just this one taco truck oh. hired and a developer to make an app for them. Oh, wow. And if, you, if, you're in, if you're in the know, you get this free app that tells you where they are and what the special of the day is. Oh, wow. Well, there's a, there's a we're so digressing. There's, a, <laughs> there's an iPad app, iPhone app, mobile. It's a mobile app. It's a mobile app that works on any phone. Um, uh, built by some guys in New York City, um, who and it, it attracts it attracts multiple, many mobile food carts in New York City and tells you where they are right now. Uh, it has links to their really? Twitter accounts and stuff like that, and it's pretty advanced. I mean, they're actually scraping the Twitter feed. Facebook pages, all kinds of stuff to get real time data to figure out where the trucks are, and then they built their own little cool icon so you can see what kind of a truck it is. Cool, <laughs> yeah. Let me really nifty. Let me tell you about food carts. <laughs> yes, food carts. So hot right now. They see, they are. They, they are. are. Well, they totally like gourmet are. Food carts in lots of cities now. Right? Oh yeah, it's, you know, yeah. There's high this stuff. There's a a tastery truck in Boulder. Tastery. That, yeah. What chase, do you taste? And you can chase the tastery truck. What do you taste? On, online, it's baked goods. Like little pies and cupcakes and delicious. Huh. They they make this little bunt cake thing. That's, I mean, I only eat kale. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you even know about this? <laughs> cool. Anyway, I think it's called Edible City, and I think their Twitter handles at Edible NY. Mm-hmm. So check it out. It's a good app. Well, I, it's a great I'm idea. When I drive around town, I'm seeing more and more food carts popping up all the time. Like the Pizza Casbah guys are always down here and. Is the hot dog guy in, in, in Old Town Square? That's PJs. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, okay, virtual. <laughs> so, what's this web? Here. This podcast about again? Uh, yeah, <laughs> something about the web. So, let's move on to the news. Okay, let's do that. Go right ahead. So, actually, Steve, why don't you start with oh, your right. iPad article uh, as the first one? Well, um, I, I just wanted to point out this uh, study that's recently been done by the Nielsen Norman Group, uh, as in Jacob Nielsen, the usability guy. I forgot it was the Nielsen Norman Group because yeah. Don Norman is the other half of that, yes. who is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Jacob Nielsen, I'm just <laughs> well, so, so on. <laughs> Don Norman rocks it, though. <laughs> Don Norman, big hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Nielsen, totally platonic. Well, no apologies. <laughs> I, I do have to say, Nielsen, some people some people love him and some people don't so much, but you can't deny that he's got good stuff. Yes. He does kind of great on people, I think, sometimes, but mostly because he's all big about usability. Yeah, he's all usability and, and no his design. his website and, sucks know. so bad. Oh, it's just the worst website. I mean, it's quote-unquote usable, but right. it's ugly as I, I believe design is part of usability. I, I think totally. Jacob it absolutely is. doesn't or has a very different thought about that, which well, I will allow. <laughs> he, he's all one way, but so, you know, take what you need and pick out the bones, yeah. right? But anyway. Anyway, so, but <laughs> they did a great study recently, and they did a bunch of um, usability testing on iPad apps and websites. And I wanted to point this out because anybody dealing with web design has got to pay more attention to mobile stuff. And we're so used to focusing on iPhones, people are starting to get that. But iPad design is, you think, oh, it's just a big iPhone. And I told my wife when I was trying to convince her to let me buy an iPad, no. (laughs) An iPhone is this tiny iPad, but... I digress. Not the other way around. <laughs> anyway, but there, there are different um, affordances and different ways people use things. You're using fancy words now. Affordance. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> because when, when you use an iPhone, it's usually like short bursts, you're on the move, you do something quick. But iPad is more like relax and you have time to do something. And Different context. Right, but your fingers sure. are still the same size. What? And it's this weird <laughs> thing. To- <laughs> I'm sorry, I've got my extra large hands on today. <laughs> but it's this weird halfway point between an iPhone. <laughs> between an iPhone and a computer because you're not with a, on a computer you've got this tiny little pointer it's a single pixel and you can click on anything even tiny stuff but on an iPad you've got a big fat finger depending on how Speak much you care yourself. you yeah. I have delicate hands <laughs> anyway so he, they encountered some problems this is the second iPad test they've done but this one is um, a little bit better because the iPad apps are a little bit more evolved by now. And things like um, you shouldn't put the logo in the top left like you do on a website because people don't understand that that's where you click for a home button. Um, don't make the touchable areas too small. Uh, it, there's a lot of accidental clicking because you don't know what's clickable partially, and uh, which causes low discoverability. And if you don't have a back button then it's hard to get back to where you were if you accidentally touch something. You know, if you put you know, like your fingers all over the iPad or if it's your kids It's easy come, to do. I mean, when I'm using it sometimes, you know, whatever, you're just holding your fingers like in the hover position. Right. Because you're reading something and you don't realize that you just tap and then you're off into some other screen or page of the website. And, right, or my... Unintended well, navigation. Totally. Yeah. I wonder when that'll start being used in court. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like in some Middle Eastern countries, you can divorce your your mate by text message. So it's like, oh, I didn't mean to hit send. It just happened. It Ouch. came standard with the phone. <laughs> it's just built in message. I didn't know how I got there. Some of those canned Google replies. Like <laughs> email. Um, the fact that people hate to type is still a concern. Um, people don't know when to swipe. And there are multiple gestures besides just swipe, like pinching and zooming and and so people don't know when to do a lot of this stuff. And there's there's not really a good way to yet, a good standard way to show this is swipeable or this is not. Um, and then too much navigation squeezed into a small area. And that that's what I mentioned before. It's like this weird halfway point because it's, you know, I'm looking at my MacBook screen. It's about half the size of my MacBook screen and like vertically. And if I, I can squish everything into that, on my screen, but I can't tap on it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, you have to really think about what you're doing. And if you don't have an app, if you have an app, you can do a lot more specific stuff, but if you're not going to deal with building an app, you've got to be very careful about the website that you build that is presented when someone uses an iPad, or I should say at this point, even like an Android tablet device. So just some really good stuff. It's a 129 page Ouch. Re, uh, review or That's study. Long. So it's like a full-on study. That's an investment. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, he's giving this one away for free. A lot of his studies, he sells for like 400 bucks a pop or something. Wow. But, you know, in his magnanimous way. So, but the, anyway, the, I recommend going to the, it's at useit.com and we'll have the full URL in the show notes. Cool. Sounds like it's worth a look if you're developing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Tablet apps. Cool. And websites. And websites. Yes, exactly. And actually, that's one point I think 
too much navigation in a small area is one of the reasons that regular websites don't often translate to tablets or phones. Yeah. It's because they're designed for large screen mouse clicking where you can have very fine control over links, right? And your typical horizontal vertical navigation is in some cases too much navigation in a small area for the touch devices. And I just learned today I had lunch with a local animator and uh Simon and he um I didn't even know this, but is it Wacom? Yeah. Yeah, who makes tablets? Tablets. They, Wacom. Isn't it Wacom? Is it? Wacom? I, see, I never Wacom. know. Is it Wacom? I always said Wacom. I never say Wacom. 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 Like Waka. Well, however you Waka. pronounce Waka. that Waka. weird name. Waka. Waka, Waka. Uh, I was in art school at the time, too. That oh, was <laughs> ooh, you're, you took a class on it. See, I never had a class. <laughs> well, no, I was actually using that as an excuse for oh. <laughs> who knows how you actually say it. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> it may have been slightly well, He was talking about they just came out with, uh, it's a, a, a tablet, you know, for drawing, but it's it's a monitor also. So you were drawing on the monitor. It's all oh, integrated. those are Awesome. Yeah, that just sounded, I don't know how long it's been out. It could be years for all I know, but uh, I just learned about it today. And that sounds awesome because then you're animating right on the screen. You know, yeah. you're seeing it as it's not this remote thing, right? Where your tablet's down here and your screen's over here and it's a disconnect. Yeah, I, I ordered a way Wacom tablet. Because I'm doing all these wireframes and stuff and I do a lot of work with people in California and it would be nice to just, sketch out a wireframe and it's already, I don't have to go to the scanner and scan it in. Right. Yeah. So I ordered one to see how, and it's just, it's too weird, but drawing, I just couldn't get used to it. So well, it has a back. learning, a learning it curve does, to it for it's certain. It's just weird for me. Yeah. And you, you almost end up, you have to, to some extent calibrate it, right? To, yeah. to your yeah. speed and, and pressure and things like that. Yeah. Which can be a serious time investment. Yeah. I just didn't have, mm. I guess I didn't have the time or the, Fortitude? I don't want it bat you the, the guts. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have the fortitude to try that afford. Not tough enough, <laughs> Non-committal. <laughs> Let's move on. Moving on. I thought it was a cool device because then it's like drawing on paper, right? That's yeah. what they're trying yeah. to get back to. And so right. now they're getting closer that to that. That sounds awesome. That yeah. I would like. Yes. I can get yeah. behind that. Yeah, right. So that's for a sure. Neat well, next news item was uh, for me was that Google Google Wallet was announced on May 26th, so just a couple of days ago, a few days ago, and um, uh, this is just I think amazing how fast this general area is evolving. Yeah. Uh, we've just in the recent few episodes of the podcast been talking about near field communication devices and that the electronic wallet using your phone is coming, and like boom, there it is, it's already here. Uh, so the deal is that the Google Wallet is an app that is now available for Android phones. However, you do, of course, need an NFC-capable phone on the hardware side, and there are none yet. But the Nexus S 4G will be available through Sprint this summer, so that will be very soon. And that will be the first Android phone that can do it. And uh, not to be outdone too quickly, BlackBerry RIM announced today that their new SDK, released today, May 31st, um, does include NFC support. So if you're developing apps for the BlackBerry 7 OS, um, you'll be able to uh, include NFC capability. And the first NFC BlackBerry phones will be out this summer, the BlackBerry Bold 9900 and 9930. And so what this allows you to do is once you have the app and the phone, you can then either use the uh, partnered City MasterCard and pair that to your Google Wallet account. As in C-I-T-I? Correct. Okay. 
Or you can Google has a prepaid card that you can charge up from any account. So another credit card or debit card out of your checking account or whatever. And in fact, they have a special going on right now that if you sign up and do that, they'll give you 10 extra dollars in cool. your account on your prepaid card just to just to give it a shot. But nobody can use it yet. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but soon. So, you know, of course, then they need merchants that can accept these too. Right. And so they're they're planning to roll this out in New York and San Francisco first. So I presume what they mean by that is they're trying to woo merchants in those cities to getting the uh, payment hardware that you need in the store to uh, accept payments that way. Yeah, and that's the tough thing about anything like this is because you can have all these early adopters getting the NFC phones and building apps but if you don't have a merchant that has the special device to read right. the thing, mm-hmm. it doesn't really do any good. Well, and then you're going to have to train that whole school of yeah. cashier, mm-hmm. payment recipient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to use that. So one of the keys to how this works, so the way it works is you um, um, would you have to fire up the app on your phone and then you wave your phone at the scanner at the store, and then it will pop up a screen for you to enter your PIN number. So that's the key: is the transaction is not phone? complete. Yes, until on okay. the phone you enter your your personal PIN. Huh. See, I'm not I'm not totally convinced that that's going to be faster. I I guess my objective looking looking at it is how is this going to save me time at the yeah. checkout? And I think of like, you know, you see those people at at Starbucks using the cards where they pull up the thing on their phone now, and it's a struggle on both ends. Is the person's like? See, I've never actually witnessed this uh, happen. Move to another line. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a while, huh? There are tears. There's crying. It still smells like coffee. They're they're using their scanner, right, to scan a QR code on the phone. And the phone. Those are unreliable. Well, and inevitably the person has some kind of cover on it, and there's a glare, and like the. Or if the brightness is too low, you can't see. Yeah, and that's where the NFC thing though is superior to the the QR codes because you just wave the phone, and it's an electronic signal between so you don't have to align anything or glare doesn't matter so theoretically this should be much faster you'll have to turn on the app and log in your pin right which i guess i mean if some people were prepared they could it's just like it's just like i'm favorable to the person who has their wallet out yeah when there's two people in front of them there's like my mom who writes a check and then she Mm. stays there and writes in like Safeway. Oh, in her register. Thirty five seventy nine. She deducts it, and everybody mm. behind her is like, "Come on!" <laughs> so Move I was along, gonna, Mrs. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about. I wonder what some of the other applications of this technology would be. And uh, the first thing that popped into my mind was think about like going to a baseball game, and what if you could have a line where all you had to do was just that's your cool phone or like a concert so ticketless kind of entry that would be awesome yeah. and then you never lose the ticket that would that would be pretty sweet yeah because we're, we're you know talking about the wallet thing but the near field communication in a phone you could I mean that's true, true. or you have your, awesome. your super swanky party at south by that's super elite <laughs> for your super elitist people and you only send them like the certain thing and yeah connected or like a bus pass you know, right. That's way right. boringer. <laughs> Talking about saving the earth here. Getting on and off the bus is always the worst. I have anxiety. Yeah. Really? Even with the experience. I'm like, oh my gosh, do I have the exact change? It's like, I would uh, love to be able to just, yeah. I mean, I guess phone. you could get a pass, yeah. those things. But I think that's part of the idea, right, is that it combines all these different things into your one phone so you don't have to carry loyalty cards, 20 different loyalty cards, right? Or your bus pass or all that, and your ticket to the ball game. So all those things that you might do in one day, 
you're doing with one device. I could get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. So long term, I think barcodes and scanning is dead, and NFC is where it's going to go. Because I have, I, there are iPad or iPhone apps out there now that you can put in all your loyalty card numbers, and it'll put up the the barcode, a la Starbucks. Oh, really? And I, I checked into one of, one of the a couple of those because I thought this would be nice because I got at least like blockbuster. Well, not a blockbuster card anymore. <laughs> That's so. I don't think there's one open in town anymore. I know. There's, <laughs> no, there's one left. There's one left. Yeah, there's two crickets working the dice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I looked into it and looked at the reviews, and every single one of the reviews is like, "Well, the app works great, but it, you can't scan it because you had." If you read all the instructions, like have the person hold the handheld scanner at a 34 degree angle. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. Mm. But anyway. So NFC is the future. Cool. Well, uh, I had a wanted to mention today that YouTube, YouTube has turned six. Yay! Woo. Do we care? You <laughs> <laughs> guys are really not interested in that. <laughs> Well, I, first of all, it blows my mind that YouTube is only YouTube. Well, you turd. How many countries is it in, Steve? I have no idea. But it blows my mind that it's all only six years it, old. I mean, it's become this ubiquitous thing that. That's true. You know, and it it's only, only six. six years ago. So as of like May 26th or something, so a few days ago. But it, some of the stats that Google put out were blew my mind. Every minute of the day, 48 hours of video are uploaded. That is astounding. That blows my mind. I mean, that's up 100% from last year. Wow. Which is also kind of mind-blowing. And I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with all these mobile phones with video cameras in them. Sure. Mm. That you push a button and it's on YouTube. Exactly. Integration is huge. Yep, iPhone does that, of course. And over 3 billion views per day. Videos. Do you ever get the panic of like, even if I wanted to, I could never watch everything? (laughs) I don't have that problem. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) I was just asking for my friend. She's constantly talking about it. (laughs) Well, you know, I do wonder if I can. If, if I have time to look at all the LOL cat photos. That is. Have you seen the kitten, the mom kitten hugs the baby? I saw that. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Uh, it's it, adorable. I saw it on the, the Daily it. What or something. Is that a blog? The Daily What? Mm, I think it's called The Daily What. Doc. Yeah, you know, mm. I saw it's it. featured on there. It's entirely too cute. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad there's YouTube because I like kittens and bunnies and where else am I going to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kittens and bunnies, place, but I don't like mostly. farms. <laughs> Lots of cool stuff on YouTube. Yeah. I, I heard a stat recently to, I think we used this in one of our social media pilots presentations that YouTube, the bandwidth of YouTube currently is equal to the entire bandwidth of the whole internet in 2000. Wow. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's like 11 crazy. years ago. Yeah, that's not that long ago. It's like forever in, in internet time. <laughs> it is, actually. But yeah, anyway. But Well, happy birthday, YouTube. Yeah, happy birthday, mm-hmm. YouTube. Yay. Shall we sing? No. <laughs> <laughs> you want to save our readers, our listeners? We still want to have listeners after this episode. We, we may have already lost them. but One or two. We don't want to scare them away for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go on and have a bit of a chat with Sarah Jane. <laughs> Yay! Yay. <laughs> the chat with Sarah Jane. 
well, we've introduced Sarah Jane, but tell us a little bit more about... Tell well, us about Sarah Jane. Yeah, tell us about Sarah Jane or, uh, you know... Why Why I'm here? Sure. <laughs> why, why are you here? Are you, here? Well, you know, I, I, I kind of had a moment of panic. I, I felt fine when I got the first email that asked if I wanted to be on, and then I was like... Oh my gosh, I don't know anything about usability. (laughs) I mean, now that all of you are still listening, um, I'm not. I'm not a web designer. What I am is a a community manager, community builder, social media. Uh, There seems like there's no good term for that role anymore. Social media pilot. I am a social media pilot. I'm not a guru. Good. Thank you. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's ax that. Yes. Um, but I am super interested in building relationships and building communities and sharing good messages, good authentic messages on the web. Which so. is, is to, in my opinion, that's a huge portion of the web. I mean, yeah, well, and when I stopped and thought about it, brings it back full circle. You see what I'm doing here? To (laughs) to some usability issues, because if you can't correctly, strongly, concisely convey your message, yeah, then what's the point? Right? Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. And and with with, uh, community stuff, I mean, you want to, I mean, beyond just usability, you know, if you can, it's hard to have a really good um, like we have it, it's all the pieces together. I'm trying to say like design and coding and the content of it and the way the message is conveyed and yeah, yada, yada, yada. yeah, messages are usable or unusable in yeah. their own right. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know if that's what you were getting at, but that's what I got out of it. <laughs> no, I think, I think that was good. That was okay. good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think that you were most interested in... Yeah, we're a little in, bit interested in some of the things maybe you learned at Infocom. So for our listeners... <laughs> Infomedia. Infomedia. <laughs> Infocom, Infomedia, you know, they're slightly different sized companies, but uh, Infomedia is infamous in its own way, right? I mean, they. Uh, I mean, for those who don't know who Joel Com is... He was one of the very first, he was an early internet entrepreneur uh-huh. and um, he and a, a buddy of his or a friend of his or acquaintance who was a programmer coded a bunch of games and he hooked up with Joel and Joel said, wow, this is a cool business idea, we can sell this and they sold that to Yahoo for over seven or over seven figures, so whatever that is, more than a million bucks, and that was Yahoo Games. So Joel and his buddy are oh, the really? originator of Yahoo Games. Yeah. When when you play a game on Yahoo, the default icon icon is Joel's face. Is yeah, is this it? little thing with him with a hat and a and a beard. Yeah. yeah. So that's how he got started in the big internet world, and then his biggest splash of late, I guess, was iFart. That was, <laughs> that was his iPhone app. Which yeah. apparently is for sale on eBay for what? I'll look it up right been, now. I think maybe it been it's been pulled down. Oh, really? Is it not there? Like the rights I don't know to if it's it? Still there? Yeah, he's selling the actual the app, the license, everything. Wow! So you could essentially own iFart, and I guess <laughs> and all my dreams can and, come and true. Sell it, sell it to other people. Use it. Use it. I, you know, I would like to say right now that I really had very little to do with iFart. In fact, <laughs> uh, there was a really great conceiving moment uh, where yeah, it's not there the, the, the fellas, yes, believe it or not, there weren't many ladies in the room, uh, were talking <laughs> so about surprised. it. And I, and I came in and um, and they told me what the great idea for the next app that they were going to do was. And um, I rolled my eyes and left the room. I, 
I have to say, I'm, I, I'm glad that they went ahead and did it because it certainly uh, bought me a couple dinners <laughs> well, <they sold laughs> in my time there. And they but, got a good press out of it. Yeah, yeah. And they had a lot of fun with it and were able to to leverage it into building apps for, for other people. And yeah. doing interesting like MC there. Hammer. Yeah, yeah. The, you know you've hit the big time. It, it was apparently for sale on <laughs> eBay, but it is no longer. So. No. Well, if anyway. you're interested, talk to me. <laughs> I might have a connection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah. So tell us about something interesting or something you learned there. Or well, you know, it's kind of it, it was a funny. Uh, I didn't really know what I was getting into when I started started working there. Uh, I, I actually did not know who Joel was. Um, I knew that it was a marketing company yeah. mm-hmm. um, with a lot of diverse interests. And truth be told, it took me about three to six months to figure out exactly what they did do. That's three <laughs> to six months of actually working, working there. there. Um because there were a lot of diverse interests and, um, you know, making software and marketing things and some B2B tools, some B2C tools. Um, and when, when Joel says that he is an entrepreneur, he is an entrepreneur in, uh, to the core. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, which is funny because I, I would, I would qualify myself as a, as a much more reluctant entrepreneur. And he is just brazen entrepreneur to the core. And uh, so I didn't always agree or understand with some of the practices that we did, but I'm super grateful uh, for the experience because I ended up learning a lot of things and getting to be there for a large part of um, some really exciting and crazy uh, shenanigans through, through <laughs> iFart and other things. Um, but the the single best thing that, you know, people always ask me, like, what was what was the takeaway? And um you know, what, what was it like to work with Joel and, uh, and things like that. And, and I would say my, my biggest learning point was that, um, Joel was a really, really big believer in, uh, you have to ask, like, you never know what you're going to get unless, unless you ask. Right. You're going to get nothing otherwise. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and would, would put out and say things to people, whether it was at Chipotle asking for, you know, extra beans on a burrito (laughs) Um, through to how he approached a lot of the marketing that we did, Um, which it seems like a very simple concept, but uh, brazenly would tell people, I want you to buy this. And people would. I mean, it's amazing Hmm, to me. Um, And, and so such a simple principle, completely simple principle. But I, I usually tend to be more in the school of, Oh, we got to like, butter people up and like make this. And I, and I think I said it, you know, I'm, I, I see myself more as a community builder, relationship builder, things like that. But, um, sometimes you need to just ask for what you want. Yeah. And it has infinite applicability, both in marketing and then like a straightforward marketing too. Yeah. 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 So I always, you know, from there have grown to look at things, whether it's, you know, building a a marketing campaign or, uh, even helping to, do little bits of design or creative direction. Like, what are you asking people to do? Is it clear? Is it concise? Do you know right away? Can you make that? Does the person know what, what you want? Makes sense. And I mean, we run into that all the time, right? In web, as far as uh, yeah. usability, really, with like calls to action, right? Mm-hmm. We have a button with a call to action on it or something like that. I mean, you're asking people to take an action, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so it does relate there. And if you don't do that, 
right? We're just reviewing some clients. And then make it easy for them to take that action. We were just reviewing some homepage copy today for a a client's website, which they had written the copy and there was there was no call to action on Mm -hmm. the homepage. It's like like, here's great information about us. Exactly. So that was a great opportunity just to apply that principle of, you know, we need to because it really is amazing in, in sales in general, especially with the web, that if like it's, it's a it's so brain dead simple just to ask people to do something mm-hmm. or say you really need to do this. And I think I think on one hand, some people feel like well, I don't want to be like the guy on late night TV, you know, with the question marks all over his suit. You know, <laughs> Why am I that now? <laughs> you don't want to be that annoying, but you know, if if you really think you have something valuable, like a service or product or whatever. Then you just say, "I really think that you should get this." Please, you know, will you buy it? Mm-hmm. Really easy to do, but it's hard to hard to make yourself do it sometimes. Well, and I, I love that you brought up the guy in the the question mark suit <laughs> because that is my single biggest fear. Uh, you know, the the reluctance to say like, "Yes, I I work in marketing." Yeah. Um, the I brace for the kind of scared and petrified look as someone turns and walks away. Um, But, you know, if you are being authentic and real and you really believe in what you're doing, which I find to be key to be able to do. Oh, yeah. um, Then why not be direct? Yep. Yeah. I I think a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of folks, I know that a lot of folks listening to podcasts are either freelance people in web the web world or have a small company or whatever. And I think that I, I know from my personal experience, when you start doing that, you are in the position of salesperson and producer of mm-hmm. the work. And it's hard to do at first because you have to, first of all, you have to believe that what you're doing is valuable and it's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have to go out there and ask for it. You know, it's not enough to just put up a website with all your cool examples and just right. sit there and wait. Right, yeah. The build it you and know? they will come theory. That yeah. Almost never works. Yeah. If you yeah, exactly. So do either of you I was trying to think of this myself and I have nothing. So uh uh maybe you have something. Do either <laughs> of you have a you know a good uh you know, I I asked and something interesting happened that you, you know Well, I can tell you in, in actual web practice, uh from personal experience, both on on my blog and blogs that I have moderated for other people, the biggest difference in getting comments is did you ask and encourage people mm. to leave a comment? Uh, and I totally stole that from Joel or learned, let's say learned. <laughs> 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 I learned. <laughs> I, c- I can't afford any uh, <laughs> any fees or fines on that. Um, but no, it, you know, the difference that, that you can get it's that clear direction. I want. I want you to do this. Um, so, do you have like a few phrases? Do you just say, "Would you leave a comment?" Or uh, I'm a big fan of asking a question. Like, ask a question that applies to the post, so that you're you're asking for input. Because your readers are valuable. Yeah, and yeah, you should treat them as a valuable commodity. So, I want to know what you think about what I write. And then, you know, in that too is you have to have a thick enough skin to leave it mm. and deal with it when you get a negative response. Sure. Yeah, people have all kinds of responses without a doubt. That's, uh, you know, and that, that kind of brings up a question just about the community building. And because so, you mentioned you really like, you'd really do that mm-hmm. a lot. And it's always a fascinating thing for me because I don't really know how to do that. I'll be honest. I, I can write <laughs> stuff, but I'm, I haven't really, well, I've never really tried either. So, 
But I, I come across websites once in a blogs, and they'll be they'll be like, "Well, somebody left a really negative comment that said this, but I didn't post it. But I wanted to say back what you know, respond to the guy." I'm like, "Come on, <laughs> you know, you're going to have negative comments. Yeah, it's part so, of life. I so mean, how do you deal?" You say you've got a blog about kale or whatever. <laughs> I've never had a negative comment. No? You're going to have a lot of posts that say, I hate kale. No. <laughs> but what, I mean, what do you do when you have a negative comments? Do you, do you leave them and let, you know, let that possibly go downhill? Because I know that's one thing about YouTube is there's a lot of negative comments and some people don't like that. And then, mm-hmm. but, or do you, do you let it go or do you take those down? How do you deal with that if you're wanting to build readership and community and all that? Well, I think that that's a a great question and it's super applicable to blogs and social media in general. Um, And the first thing that I would say before anything else is you have to check some of your fear at the door. Mm. If you're putting yourself in a public sphere, right, Right. which uh, the internet is public. I I don't know if you guys knew this. (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone is always going to agree with you or appreciate you, and haters gonna hate, you know. (laughs) So, uh, build up a little bit of a tough skin and make sure that you know that you can handle it before you start. Uh, the next thing that I would say is decide what your line is before you get to the point of needing to know what your line is, Mm -hmm. right? So, I draw the line at vulgarity, hate speech, um, something that is so essentially, could it harm someone or something other than my ego? You know, mm, my good. ego is fair game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you want to say some things dumb about me, like, go ahead. Wow. Um, don't do that after this podcast. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Send me pictures of bunnies and kittens. Yes. <laughs> No, but I figure if it's if it's a personal blog or it's my Facebook account or my Twitter account and you, you have something negative to say, like I've put myself out there, say it to me. Don't, but just don't take it that step further where it's hateful or negative yeah. towards other. And then, you know, is it honest and is it true? Right? Could it be honest and could it be true? Or is it something totally off the wall? You know, somebody leaves a message on a post on a kale where it's like, Oh, my son ate kale and he developed a tail. And it's like, okay, that's just ridiculous. But someone says, you know what? I really hate kale. I don't believe you. Um, you can't make any recipes. Okay. My response to that is I'm sorry. Thanks for stopping by. (laughs) Maybe even toss in, has anyone else had this experience and, and had, Hmm. had found a solution to it. That's negative really good. negative comments can actually be a bigger source of traffic and interaction, especially if you have built up your community well and you have regular readers and you have regular posters. Sure, they'll race to support you and advocate for you sometimes mm. before you do. That's a really good point because you could just see the negative comment and like crawl in your hole and cry. Or you could do, you know, turn it around and say, "Well, this is an interesting point." Yeah, and like you said, has anybody else thought of this or had problems? We had a, a good example from Ignite Fort Collins a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Paul Hummer gave a really, uh, I thought, very interesting, good talk about riding bikes uh, in Fort Collins, and someone posted a very, he posted about that on his blog, I think, and somebody posted a very 
negative comment. Probably really? might have even crossed your line, actually. Um, but he posted it. He, he allowed the comment to go. And I thought that took a lot of courage because it was a very negative comment. What could you say against riding bikes? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it to the reader to go look. Okay. Um, but, uh, but the community response was really positive. You know, I mean, people said, hey, you know, it was a two-sided argument. Maybe mm. this person didn't really hear both sides of what Paul was saying. And okay. you know, people came out and, you know, it's a... If Paul was talking in part about, you know, do you ride on the sidewalk? Do you ride on the street in different circumstances? Uh-oh. You know, so it was controversial. It wasn't a straightforward talk. Okay. okay. Yeah. But, I, I missed that one. Sorry. Uh, I was out of slacker. town. I was out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Likely excuse. <laughs> and we didn't live stream this one, so I can't berate you for not watching the live stream. There you go. But, uh, but anyway, the community response I thought was very positive and supportive of, and not just like coming to Paul's defense, you know, it really was people honestly saying how they felt about the talk. Ah, you know, and so I thought that was really good. Well, and then too, you know, I, I think Paul... He reacted to it. He kept his cool to, to some extent. <laughs> and, it, and it is, it, you would have to know Paul to, he, he handled it the way that he would handle it in real mm-hmm. life. And, and I think that those are- So it was authentic. Yeah, yeah, it was completely authentic. And, and that's where, where I think that decide how you're going to react to those negative things before you become, enter into the situation. And then, mm-hmm. then when the moment comes where you're about to sit down and ask to write your reply or to respond to something like that, Ask yourself, you know, am I angry right now or am I, you know, am I honestly replying? And if you're angry, walk away or get someone else to respond. Don't tweet angry. Yeah. <laughs> no drunk tweeting, no angry tweeting. You're gonna Correct. open. You don't. You don't want to. Do no. Like that. Then it spirals. Yeah, yeah, it can spiral out of control. Yeah. Then so. And then, I, uh, Kristen. Kristen Maestre of uh, the Fort Collins, Feasting Fort Collins, the food blog, uh, mm-hmm. she, she has a really great uh, way to approach this. And she says that it's always feel, felt, found. Um, so think about what the person is feeling. Acknowledge okay. that you understand how they are feeling. So, uh, wow, I see that you are scathingly angry. <laughs> and and then you, you go to felt, which is I once felt the same way. So you're creating that kind of connection, uh, connection a little empathy going. Okay. We like, we like that. And then found, this is, this is what I found in my conclusion. And, and then you can enter into the, I, I disagree completely with what you're saying, but but it's a way to say, I hear you. I'm paying mm-hmm. attention to you. Your opinion is valid. Um, I'm not just deleting you. I'm not ignoring you. Um, and that's a part of real community, right? Absolutely. I mean, everybody doesn't always agree. And if everyone agrees, you don't have a community because not everyone is offering input. Right. Right. You know, I remember her using those, that exact, I don't remember the exact words she used, but a while back she did a review of a coffee shop here in town and mentioned the coffee sucked. <laughs> and, and the guy who roasted the coffee got on and blasted her on the comments. And I thought I was really impressed. Like I said, I remember what she said, but I, remember I was really impressed with her response to it. She left the comment there. Mm-hmm. She didn't take it down. I mean, the guy was kind of a jerk about it, but it really ended up making him look worse than her. You know? But he, she did a good job, and, it, and there were lots of comments beyond it. Like you said, sometimes negative comments can really increase your traffic for good or bad. They're, they're opportunity, no exactly. doubt about it. So, an opportunity for the audience as well. I love seeing how people react in those situations. 
And man, don't pull stuff down. <laughs> it's like that Cooks magazine. Did you guys ever see that? That had stolen a, mm-hmm. it stole an article from a woman's blog. And, oh, really? Oh, it made it, I think it made it onto Reddit or something. And people just hazed oh, this magazine this. into so non- this a real non-publication. Yeah, it was a full-fledged magazine, successful magazine. And they stole content from an independent blogger's blog, wow. posted mm-hmm. it as their own. She called foul in the community outrage. Actually, what she called was, <laughs> I would like to get paid my 30 cents a word that's, you know, standard for print Right. She wasn't asking for anything you, but a totally fair response yeah. after they stole it. I mean, it was a very reasonable request. You must wow. have forgotten to send me my check. <laughs> <laughs> and the community response drove that magazine out of business. Did it really? End of story. Yeah. 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 So yeah, the power don't, of community. Don't be yeah, mean. power of community. Don't be mean. <laughs> <laughs> don't steal. <laughs> Give credit where credit is due. Um, what not? Did you have anything else? Um, the only other the only other question I had is uh, you had mentioned that you met Wyatt Sinek at one point, and uh, I think he's very funny. And uh, what's that like to meet Wyatt Sinek? First of all. Who's Wyatt Sinek? He he was. I don't know if he's still on the Daily Show, but he was a comedian on the Daily Show for a while, and he's very funny. I think he's still on. Yeah, and I, I should preface this by saying that uh, while I was still working at Infomedia, uh, we were sued uh, by another right fart application. That's right. There's more than one, <laughs> and the Daily Show picked up on that hot story, and, okay, and Wyatt I saw this. Sinek came to. Oh, that's came the to guy the that interviewed Joel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just didn't remember his name. He was pretty funny. He never broke character once, though. Really? Yeah. It it was uh it was amusing. He was in the office and walking around and just mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was about all he said, except for <laughs> when they were on camera. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting uh, experience to meet him. So wow. So they came out here. Oh, yeah, they came. Oh, I just assumed Joel went out to New York to do the filming. No, they came to the office. Not many people can say that, you know, they had the Daily Show at their office. Right. Tony Little also came to visit us once, too. Who? Tony Little, the gazelle. (laughs) He's that crazy infomercial fitness thing. He's like a really long equipment. Yes, Yes, nice. (laughs) What did he come to visit you for? I can't even remember. <laughs> but I have a really great picture with him. I'll try to dig it up for you. It's hilarious. Okay. Cool. I, d- I just wanted to stand next to him and he like roped me in <laughs> with his gigantic muscles. Cool. Bummer. <laughs> he was a stuff. nice guy. I remember Good. that. So, yeah. A wild and woolly web. That's what <laughs> WW stands for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, do you have anything else? Um, I do not. Did you have anything else you'd like to share with us, Sarah Jane? Anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I'm going to make you some kale. Okay. They have chocolate-covered kale at really? the top. Is that good? Really? Okay, that's interesting. It's a big deal. I like chocolate a lot, and I will try chocolate-covered almost anything. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. We'll see. I'll see if I can make some appear for the next recording. <laughs> cool. Two weeks from today. Well, thank you so much for chatting with Sarah Jane. Yes. Thanks really for having appreciate me. it. Yeah. And I, I, we'll have to revisit this community building stuff sometime. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about that. I think that's a, it's a big, it's big now, obviously, but <laughs> I think it's going to be, become more and more important 
as the web continues to grow? It's a really interesting time. I'm excited. Uh, It seems like a lot of the uh, substance is settling and the hype is alleviating. And we're going to start seeing um, lots more interesting studies and actual factual information um, about how to really do these things. Yeah. Well, cool. Look forward to it. Well, we have, if, if you've been listening for any time, you know that our podcast sponsor is audible.com. And if you go to audible.com slash Einstein, you get to have a free audiobook. And it's actually Audible Trial. Oh, back up. If you go to <laughs> audibletrial.com, thank you, slash Einstein. Not thank you slash Einstein, but okay, <laughs> you get the point. Audibletrial.com slash Einstein. Anyway, you get a free book and 14-day trial, which gets you special deals on books and stuff. And the book I wanted to mention today is really good. Um, it's called The Pixar Touch, The Making of a Company. And it's all about the history of Pixar from the very, very beginnings of Pixar till now, really. Hmm. And um, the reason that I, I find it just fascinating is because Pixar is cool. Yeah, totally. You know, my kids love the Pixar movies. but I, think I love I Pixar like, movies. Yeah, everybody loves Who doesn't love Pixar movies? Yeah. But it it's interesting to me because people think that Pixar just like popped out of the box, you know, perfect. You know, they do everything wonderful. But they've been around since like the 70s. And I don't know that. The guys who started Pixar are the guys who invented computer animation. And hmm. they had this Pixar computer that had that was specially built just for animation and computers. And they had like the whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it, it's, I can't even get, get into all of it, but um, the way that they, they they really have invented it. That's why they're so much better still. They've been at it a long time. They've been doing it for a long time. Well, long. they didn't make money forever. No, no, they didn't. Steve Jobs just kept writing checks. Yeah, well, they they did they they went through several like well, a couple of different kind of investors. <laughs> this <laughs> period when they were in New York was like this. Slightly crazy guy owned them. <laughs> and he just kind of wrote them checks. Every time they'd ask him a question, he, he like would respond and he, he would never, he would just like repeat back what you said. He, I'm serious when he, when I say he's wow. crazy. Wow. He would just like talk on and on. And once in a while you'd hear a word talk to you and you'd have to figure out what he meant by that. But he's rich and he wrote checks and they're like, woohoo. Wow. But then they, <laughs> Then they tried. They it was, it was Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> he was totally on acid, and uh, but then they ended up going to. Um, they were bought by Lucasfilm, or they actually Industrial Light and Magic, and ILM had no idea what to do with them. They're like computer animation, what, Pff, whatever. <laughs> and so they were trying to figure out ways to wow. to do all the stop motion stuff that ILM did with computers, and they just didn't get it. George Lucas just didn't get it. He didn't care. And then they eventually sold it to Steve Jobs, who was the sole owner of uh, Pixar. Wow. And he, like like Sarah Jane said, he just shoveled money into it for the longest time. Wow. And he didn't really care about the animation thing either. He just, he just used them. He bought them for the computer that they invented. Yeah. Was that involved at all with the the next computer deal? It was around that time. Okay. Yeah. And he had just been kicked out of Apple. Apple. 
And some people are like, you know, Pixar is his rebound company. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> like, yeah, here's five million bucks. Well, I'll buy it. That worked Pixar. out pretty well, I would say. Yeah. And so after a while, um, John Lasseter re- really pushed pushed everything through. And, um, you know, now, and then it was sold to Disney for a massive amount of money. And it, it, it's just sort it's a really interesting story of a business being built, going through problems, and just the creativity behind it all. And, and it gives you some insight into some of the movies and stuff is interesting as well. So I would totally. Well, I'm impressed because I, I don't think, I can't even think if they've ever made a movie that wasn't good. You yeah, know? every I mean, single one they made like is blockbuster. It's like home run every time. It's, uh, I'd be interested just to learn anything behind that. That's, that's well, not a simple thing Well, we were just in Disneyland last week. Right. And there's like, that's the most popular stuff is the Pixar stuff. Interesting. And at mm. least it's owned by Disney now. But um, it, it's it's really impressive. But my so I would totally recommend the Pixar Touch. It's it's a re, it's very well read as well on Audible. But the reason I have a bonus pick today is because this book is free for members or non-members. I think it's uh, it's called Free: The Future <laughs> of a Radical Price by Chris Anderson. Have you heard of this book? Uh, I have heard of it, if, but I didn't realize you, it was free. You? So I've totally heard about this. Yeah. Book. And actually was incredibly interested in it because we used a lot of free formulas yeah. when I was at Infomedia. Oh, and a lot of free trials, a lot of free... Yeah. Isn't Chris Anderson the editor of yeah. Wired? Yes. Okay, so it's that Chris Anderson. That Chris okay. Anderson. I've heard several people lately say, I, I really want to hear it. I think, I think I'm going to go get it right yeah, now, actually. It's awesome. I think <laughs> if you haven't read this book and you have anything to do with the web... You're really hurting yourself because it, 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 he does a very good job of explaining the movement of of uh, the economy toward free stuff and why it works hmm, okay. and how you can make money with free. I'm intrigued because he said he had to really talk his editors into letting him give away this book in the audio and print. I mean, I think print it's a, it's a couple bucks just to cover the cost of it, but. You just can get it. You can get download it for free from the Kindle store, um, it, and cool. so wow, really great book as well. And he reads it. Uh, Chris Anderson oh, actually cool. reads it and for Audible. Very widely discussed topic right now. Yeah, very. totally. So I was Boulder Startup Week. Two com- conversations and presentations were about this really? and mentioning this book. Yeah. Oh wow! People what, are what, interested. When in was that. Startup Week? Uh, it was two weeks ago. I yeah, think. the same week as Fort Collins, Ignite Fort Collins. So it was oh, yeah. May nineteenth, May. Yeah, that week. Cool. Yeah, it's it's a big deal. So if if you haven't read it, then you need to for sure. So <clears throat> anyway, you can get both of those books for free at the same time. Uh, right. Just go to audibletrial.com/einstein and uh, thanks to Audible for their support. So next we have our Social Media Minute by Nick Armstrong of WTF Marketing. My name's Nick Armstrong from WTF Marketing, and this is your Social Media Minute. It's so windy in Fort Collins today that even Einstein has had to use hair product. So while I'm in the basement protecting myself from the demon winds, I thought I might update you on some of the coolest and latest in social media. You ever have something right on the tip of your, uh, um, shoot, I'm drawing a, oh man, I can't even remember what you draw when you're drawing a, if this has ever happened to you. Netspeak.org 
is your best friend. All you have to do is go to netspeak.org and enter the words that you know, add a question mark at the end, and in seconds it delivers you the most common phrasings with those words included. Next up is TweetPsych or TweetPsych.com. You can enter anybody's Twitter username and find out exactly how often they tweet about certain subjects like work, money, how often they're positive, how often they're negative, and how often they talk about sex. Finally, I humbly offer you Currently.com, spelled with a K. Currently is a real-time search engine for Twitter and Facebook. You can enter any phrase or search term that you want and have real-time results displayed right there on your screen from both Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to the feed via an RSS feed, which uh, I think would pretty much overload anybody's RSS feed reader. But if you wanted to and you were crazy enough, you could do it. I'm Nick Armstrong, and that's all I've got for your social media minute. The rest of my notes blew away. And in a recurring theme of my burning hatred of Einstein's hair, I hope it all blows away today. Back to you, Sock Monkey. Uh, so my blog pick of the week is uh, readwriteweb.com slash mobile. So uh, listeners know that I have developed a mobile passion or something, fetish, obsession, <laughs> OCD, I'm not sure what. Rash. Rash, yes. <laughs> I will not show you my mobile. <laughs> anyway. Wow. But uh, if you're into mobile web development or... Uh, all of that stuff. Um, it's a great place to look because they have current articles all the time, current stats, current trends. Uh, so a great place to stay up on the news for everything mobile. And would they have just is a general web news or just general? Yeah. Way? So read read write read write web and as a whole has web uh, related. Okay. It's a web blog and news site. But then they have um, maybe half a dozen very specialized categories that are kind of their own track, if you will, and you can just like follow that track. So oh, gotcha. mobile's one. They've got one on startups, actually. Uh, one on cloud computing. So they have some really mm. nice niche um, threads that have you know regular articles. And um, anyway, the mobile one is my favorite at the moment. That's nice. Yeah, I'm kind of addicted to mobile stuff as well. It's just, it's just because I really think that that's where everything's going. I think there's no question, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what I wanted to mention today for a blog that I read whenever it's updated is um, The Brads. The it's, Brads? The Brads. It's actually... <laughs> Sounds like office space. It does. <laughs> it kind of is. Got a meeting with The Brads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually a web comic by a designer um, named Brad Colbo. And it, that's the website is actually Brad Colbo C O L B O W dot com, and it it's hilarious if you are a designer or especially a web designer. It's a comic about uh, two guys who own a web design company, and it's it's really pretty funny. And my favorite uh, comic strip is from a, f- a couple weeks ago. The two guys are sitting in their office. One says, "What's with all the post-it notes on the wall?" And the other guy says, "I'm rebranding us as a UX agency so we can charge more." <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> Sometimes, but anyway, it's it's really well drawn and, and well written. It's pretty funny. It, it's cool. very it's very inside baseball type stuff. So I'll check that. I out. would recommend that. So Sarah Jean, as our guest, do you have a a favorite blog that you besides I Love um, that well, you read regularly? I'm sort of in love with Inside Facebook. Dot com right now. I just think really? that they are doing the most comprehensive update on news and uh, both for marketers and developers, just like their tagline says. Um, <laughs> but they've come out with quite a few super useful things lately. I, it was interesting, though, hearing you say read, write, 
web and, and them kind of segmenting into those tracks. I wish that they would do that. Oh, they got a lot, of, a lot of content. Good Lord, yeah. do they load up my reader. <laughs> really? <laughs> so. So what's, what's it about? Just like inside it's, tips and stuff? Well, it's all the news and developments of what's happening. So I've seen... Like if there's a new feature or uh, privacy new, scandals, yeah, it, it kind of covers every. It's like all Facebook all the time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they also do weekly and some daily stats reporting on which the hottest apps are and mm. things like that. That's so helpful. you get really a good kind of comprehensive view of everything that's going on, not only in Facebook but on the developer platform, um, and also what people are using and liking um, and getting interested in that week. They also do a nice roundup where they feature all of the um, what they call the top performing campaigns for the week from large businesses. And they were talking about Subway adding a million uh, users in one week with the sweepstakes. Wow. That's wow. a lot of people. That is a lot of people. It's a lot of subs. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. yeah, there are a lot of posts. My goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It'll load you up. If if you don't stay on top of it, just in develop the development category, there's thirteen hundred posts. Wow. Anyway, like I said, comprehensive, most <laughs> comprehensive. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> for yeah, sharing that, Sarah Jane. That's awesome. A reminder about our book club, the book we're in the process of reading now, and we'll review in a few episodes. And invite you to uh, join along in the reading and commenting on our website is Resonate by Nancy Duarte. And this is a wonderful book about um, presentation design and not just, it's not so much about the physical design. She has another book called Slideology that's about that. This is more about the storytelling aspects of powerful presentations that actually change audience behavior after the presentation. So this is what her business does. They've done it for a long time. They're very successful at it. And this is essentially the blueprint of what they do. Cool. So if you're, you know, if you ever give PowerPoint presentations or any kind of presentations and want to, and if your goal is to change your audience's behavior by the end of the talk, uh, it's a beautifully designed book. Very nice to read. Just ordered it today. Highly recommend. I'm excited. Awesome. So we have a link to it in the show notes. Um, if you uh, can't find it easily, but it's on Amazon for seventeen dollars and fifty cents. Nicely on sale. Um, big thanks to Josh Mulligan for doing our show notes and to the Hive, hivefc.com, for the office space to record today. Yeah, and uh, make sure to visit us at our website is einsteinandsockmonkey.com. And subscribe. You can From there, you can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And remember to please rate us in iTunes as well, but only if it's five stars. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, you can find me, uh, my blog is at clevercubed.com and Twitter is also clevercubed. And uh, Ron here, you can find me at codegeek.net on the web and at Ron underscore Z on Twitter. And Sarah Jane? Well, you can visit the exciting website, I Love Kale. You have a website called I Love Kale.com? No way. Can you believe it? Have I mentioned it enough? <laughs> We're serious. Uh, <laughs> and if so interested, you can send me those hateful comments and watch for my tactful, skillful reply on Twitter at Savvy Sarah Jane. Nice. Very cool. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you all next time. Ron just looked at the notes and saw that he was supposed to say something. <laughs> 
Okay. And that'll work. Getting these blank stares from you know Steve. I'm like, oh, there's something more. Okay. Einstein and Sock Monkey is sponsored by CodeGeek.net, a full-service web design and development agency, and CleverCubed.com, providing user experience design, usability testing, and information architecture, and presented by Ron Zazadinsky and Steve Martin. Music provided by the band Black Lab. Find them at BlackLabWorld.com. Stop.